The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. New tap room now open at Sass Drive and Cameron in Regina. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. Joel Gasson with uh, John Fraser as usual. And uh, normally off the top of the show, we tend to... Uh, we can tend to make some dumb jokes about some stuff going on in the world or in the world of football or mm-hmm. in the world of sports. But I think there's kind of been just enough shitty stuff going on this week <laughs> that um, I don't even really feel like joking. And I don't even really want to get into anything negative off the top of this program just because I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Yes. Y'all, know, you already, y'all know what I'm talking about. There's the one story that's dominating the news cycle in Canada and um, pretty much everyone on both sides of the debate. I'm just sick of the whole thing and I just want it all to move on and get it over with. It was the only the only thing I'm going to say about it is this was the only way it was going to end. The sooner we can all get over it, the better. Absolutely, and I haven't even. I'm with you, Joel. I have not wanted to go on Twitter. I have not wanted to go on Facebook. Um, honestly, I was trying to avoid it all, but it was my youngest son's first birthday, and my wife is posting all sorts of adorable pictures of him. So it was like, yeah, okay, I, 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 that's that's why I'm here. But you're right. Anytime, and and I made the mistake. I made the mistake of listening to a certain talk radio host at about 10:15 this morning on the AM radios and yes it's enough mm-hmm. let's just let's just leave it let's um let's let's celebrate the good let's let's be positive yeah something that we allegedly don't like to do here on the 3 down greencast <laughs> and on 3 down nation in general if you listen if you listen to some of the people who uh, comment on our website and on uh, various social media platforms but regardless uh, there is a couple cool stories uh, making their way around Saskatchewan this week of course today being Wednesday the evening that we are recording this podcast it is 3 down after dark as we are recording later than usual yes this is not like pack 12 after dark so don't look for any kind of crazy content it's just going to be us at a slightly later time that's 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 fair because my kid would literally not stop eating because he's going through a growth spurt. It was kind of hilarious. <laughs> he's and then he looks at me. Oh man, he looks at me. He's like, "Daddy, when I press my belly, it hurts." I'm like, "Well, Max, so far tonight you've had two bananas, two oranges, two plates of pickles, two plates of crackers, two plates of cheese, and a bologna sandwich. I can't see why your tummy would hurt when you push it." Most of that's relatively healthy, actually. At least. Hey, that's I'm not. Too, <laughs> I'm not that bad. Tomorrow night, definitely a happy meal. But uh, tonight, I'm an A plus parent. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So the riders announcing that today, along with Evra's Place and the city of Regina, that 10th Avenue along by the stadium is going to be renamed George Reed Way 
Uh, seems kind of like a no-brainer decision in retrospect, so just a big old thumbs up to the city for that decision uh, while uh, good old George is still with us for him to be able to uh, notice this and to, to appreciate it, and of course for his family to appreciate it. It's just a, it's a really cool thing, and they've uh, officially changed yep. the address of Mosaic Stadium as well to uh, 1734 George Reed Way, which I believe in a lot of ways it just makes a lot of sense because the old one was Piffles, you know, it was on Piffles Way or whatever the street was called. Yep. So it's just, it's a new a new era, a new stadium, and honoring, uh, I guess, a new legend, sort of, in terms of a street name image anyway for the name of the stadium. It being on Elphinstone or whatever, it's never really, eh, you know. Whenever you say Elphinstone, I would just think of the Dairy Queen. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm like, it's the Dairy Queen on Elphinstone. You know, you just, I, it's always made me think of that. And it's so, it's same thing, close to Pile of Bones and... Yeah, I, I like, and it's a small touch. I am surprised it took this long, but uh, it's a nice touch. And, and I ran into George at a, uh, at a golf tournament not too long ago, um, and it was, it was hot. It was a summer day, and I was complaining about the heat. And he was and still in his long pants and sweater vest? Long pants and sweater vest, and then he proceeded, <laughs> to, call, he proceeded to call me soft. Which you are, so he's right. Well, I, 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 the rest of the day, I'm like... I can't bitch now. George Reed called me soft. I have to. I have to man up and enjoy this golf in this heat. I guess, and it was like thirty above, but yeah, still looking fresh in the sweater vest and the long pants. So I, I, I love it. It's a nice touch that, you know, especially too now you can say, you know, the new stadium is on George Reed Way. Well, well, well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Also, some uh, well deserved kudos for our, our peers over at the Piffles Podcast. Uh, you may remember that uh, they, alongside, so at least through the blessing of uh, Cody Fajardo, uh, sold T-shirts kind of with the Kraft logo on it, the Kraft Ketchup logo, and it said Sprinkles of Jesus uh, on yeah. it. Uh, they were really cool T-shirts. Uh, proceeds from all those T-shirts went to the hospitals of Regina Foundation, and uh, they were able to present a check for twelve grand, I believe, to the foundation for those T-shirts, which is actually an astronom- astronomical amount of money for a bunch of T-shirts being sold online, it's- basically just in Saskatchewan. So... Thumbs up to those guys as well. Really cool. Well, well, and especially too, like like that that whole crew of guys over there are just really a plus human beings. Any inter- interactions I've had with them, you know, love those guys. They do a great job, and you're right to be able to turn their platform into a big uh, charity, a big charity thing. And and big shout out to uh, all the guys, but to Greg for Greg McCullough for designing those shirts, and I know he's also done some stuff with. Greg Rowe, uh, Greg's come up with some absolutely spectacular designs, and obviously a big hit in Saskatchewan. Like that is like, I can tell you from being in, in the charity world. I was previously involved with the Kinsman Club of Saskatoon and the Husky Football Foundation. Like, twelve G is nothing to shake a stick at. Like that no. is damn impressive by those guys. And you know, I I, I thought that it should have gotten more press that's that's the only thing you know you see the great picture of Saf and and Greg and Cody there handing over a check for for 6G which was on Twitter uh, I know it's 12 grand total that they've raised but man just like that is damn impressive like like we could never do anything of substance with it again we laugh if we had a live listening party you know we'd have four people here and two of them would be either married or related to us right so <laughs> yeah probably it's just like like well done well done to those guys they work hard they they do a great pod over there too yeah absolutely uh so on this uh, mediocre podcast 
We're going to uh, basically break down uh, the West Final and the week ahead. I guess we'll talk a little bit about how their opponent, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, got here. Uh, we'll talk about what to expect in that game. Of course, hashtag Fajardo Watch 2019 continues. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the, the rise again of the Montreal Alouettes and kind of what that means to the, the picture of the CFL. And maybe a little quick prediction on the East Final as well. But before we get into all that, as usual, John, uh, what is in the glass this week? I was going to, I have a oatmeal stout uh, from Lake of the Woods that's waiting for me. And I thought, maybe we're going to record and it's going to be cold and miserable and like stouty feel. Mm-hmm. Still not feeling it. I am still going with the, um, again, uh, uh, they're in very short supply. So by this time next week, when we're breaking down the West Final, I'm sure I'll have a new beer to pick from. But yet is still... A uh, pile of bones, red ale that is to my left that I'm sipping on that, again, is part of our great partnership with our friends over at Pile of Bones. Uh, I am coming up for the game on Sunday. I'm trying to find a way that I can squeeze in an earlier departure so we can uh, hit up Pile of Bones before the big game on George Reed Way. Well, no, it's not on George Reed Way. Is it? The stadium's on George Reed Way? The stadium is, yes, but the... No, that's, that's oh, what I said. Before oh, I thought you meant, I thought... the big game on oh, George Reed okay, Way. Okay, yes, no. I was just going now back I'm to the I'm picking up what you're t- saying. I thought you were assuming the brewery was on there as well. I'm like, no, the brewery's on Sass Drive in Cameron. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I still remember where it is when I got into your Honda car and, and, and got there. So, it's... Uh, see, this is what happens after dark. You know, some people get sexier. Uh, we just get more discombobulated. Yeah, so if you feel like uh, if you feel like it, now is probably a good time to stop listening to uh, this podcast. Uh, but but in fairness, normally I record this podcast wearing pants. Tonight I am wearing shorts. I wear After shorts every dark. time I wear this podcast. Yeah, that's fair. You have been very. Um, I noticed your pro shortsness uh, mm-hmm. while I was staying with you a couple weeks ago. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm very much pro uh, a pro shorts guy. I also dislike pants. But uh, this story about this Bombers fan that said he'd finally wear pants again after his team won the Grey Cup. I'm saying no. Stay, stay strong, brother. Keep wearing those shorts, man. Come on. Like <laughs> Even if they like, win the Grey like, Cup, keep wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because speaking of the hate of pants and, and my old co-host, Tra- Travis Kerr, with uh, the 2 and Out podcast, mm-hmm. the first time in my life I had known him for four or five years at my wedding was the first time he wore pants. I'm like, dude. You could have kept rocking the shorts. It's just me. I don't give a shit. So, yes. But Travis now regularly wears pants, and it's weird, and I don't like it. <laughs> so now that we've gone off on that tangent, uh, for me, I am also drinking a red ale, but it is from our friends at uh, Nokomis Craft Ales in Nokomis, Saskatchewan. It's a, it's a new seasonal they have released this year. Yeah, it's a red ale. Tastes really good. A little bit, I think a little lighter, a little sweeter than the uh, mm-hmm. Pile of Bones. Red ale, but it is also a little stronger at six point five percent. So, ooh, interesting. And yeah. again, I, I have uh, you and I were talking uh, when I was visiting a few weeks ago, talking about how Nokomis is just kind of a cool place to go for a tour. You know, get out of the city for a day. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, to doing that this summer when the roads aren't you know constantly wavering between clean and trying to murder you. Yes, and also the fact is their their tap room, so to speak, is very small inside. They're basically a summer tap room where they have this nice patio out on the grass. Mm. So going to the winter, you're basically just going to fill up. You're not really going to, not really going to sit there and have a beer. There's a little bit of space, but it's not really a place to gather with friends to do that per se. Fair, fair. Do that in the summer. Highly recommend the trip. 
Joel yeah. highly recommends it. <laughs> Absolutely. So people will, of course, be gathering at Mosaic Stadium on Sunday this week for the West Final. The very first West Final at uh, Mosaic Stadium. Uh, the first for the team since 2009. And they are, of course, taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for the fourth time this year. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. And by CFL yeah, standards, yeah. that's pretty crazy. So, and I mean, it happens from time to time, but... Here we are, and there's good, at this point, there's no secrets between these teams. They'll maybe a little bit different with Winnipeg, though, just because, I mean, the Riders haven't faced Zach Caleros in a couple of years. So right. that's that's a little bit of a different uh, spin for them. But he's to me, he's kind of on the Matt Nichols level, so there isn't really, you know, he's good. He provides what he needs to provide, but it's not going to blow you away by any stretch of the imagination. So, no, you're absolutely right with that. And, 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 and it is funny, though. And, and I'm sure we'll get into this more as we go on. Mm-hmm. But watching not so much the last regular season game against Calgary that that in fairness, you know, pending a miracle didn't mean a lot for Winnipeg. Yeah. But watching the playoff game in depth like I did, um, I can tell you that it was almost like when Paul, Paul Lapolis got Zach Caleros, he was able to go to the bookshelf and take out the uh, – the game plan, the offensive game plans he had written for the entire season, yes. blow the dust off of it in comical fashion and just reinstall it. You are right. It's like mm-hmm. they're carbon copies of one another. Yeah. I, I, they're, 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 at, at this point in Zach's career, they're at least on sort of the same level where they're both, you know, they're both above average. They're pretty good. No one's probably going to confuse them as elite. They're no. not in like the Bo Levi or Mike Riley category of quarterbacks, but they're reliable, they're pretty good, and they can win you some football games when healthy. That's kind of, they're kind of at that level right now. So the fact that Zach Caleros worked fairly well within basically the Matt Nichols system shouldn't be too surprising. But now they've at Winnipeg is out of the extra wrinkle, and it was, it was very fascinating to watch and see in that game how, you know, I don't think it's, I can't think of really any other time where a team's top passer was their starting quarterback and their top rusher was their backup quarterback. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen, but it was such a great use of the two quarterback system that you just don't see in the in football in general, forget the CFL, as wacky and as weird and the stuff you see in college from time to time. You don't really even really see that in college. So the fact that Paul Apolis was comfortable enough doing that at the professional level says a lot to his confidence that, A, for Zach Caleros picked up what they've wanted him to pick up at this point, and, of course, in Chris Lever- Chris Strebler's ability to run even with a busted foot. Well, and, and that's exactly it. I think if you watch Chris Strebler, and they worked in Nick Dembski a little bit with Andrew Harris, but when Chris Strebler runs, it's just a matter of, of simple math. When the quarterback hands off to anybody else, he typically is taking himself out of that play. So that's one less guy you have to square up and block or run with against the defense, right? Mm-hmm. What Chris Strebler just basically taking the snap and going, yeah, I'm going to run with this, allows Winnipeg's great offensive line to do. It allows their running backs, who are all very good blockers, and the receivers, who are good blockers, to just go out and hit the guy in front of you. Chris Strebler is exceptionally quick. He, Again, I, I think I texted you at one, point, uh, at one point during the season saying, is Chris Strebler the second-best running back in the CFL? So... It allows them to just win the numbers game. You've basically got an extra man blocking whenever Chris Trevler's in there, and everybody knows how to block. Chris Trevler's a, a, a hell of an athlete, and you still have to, although it was proven when Matt Nichols was out pre-Zach Caleros, he's not great at throwing the ball. Yeah. 
but you still have to respect that a bit. Like, I still, like... That's the point I was kind of going to bring up, because if you're not careful defensively, if you suddenly start, if you see Chris Trevler come in, and you load everyone into the box and leave everyone one-on-one outside of that, if someone is open, there could be an opportunity. And I I think... In the in in a way, Paul Lapolis might have been playing the long game with that by basically having Strebler not throw in that game and it's run every single time. Yes, is he is setting that up? You know, he's he's playing 4D chess to pull. You know, kind of an old Bill Belichick saying out here. He's playing 4D <laughs> like chess. It. He's going all galaxy brain and thinking, okay, if we do win this game, and in, of course in their minds they believe they're going to win because that's what professional football teams think. Yes. I'm going to plant the seed in Saskatchewan and saying, okay, if Chris Strebler is out, he's going to run. But at some point, he is not going to run, and that could come in a key situation. And that is something that uh, Jason Shivers and the defense is still going to have to be very aware of. Well, and certainly, and and I think those moments that you're going to have to be very aware of it is going to be uh, a second and short mm-hmm. in kind of that in-between zone, in, kind of in between the 50s or, or or dare I say, depending on the wind conditions at, at, at Mosaic on Sunday, you know, even maybe within the 40s, right? Yeah, so if he, Where, throw, he throws down to the 20, the 15-yard line, it's picked, it's a punt anyway, whatever, right? It, it, exactly, or, or those positions where if he falls incomplete – you know, you pick up eight on the first down, it falls incomplete on second down. You know, La Police is leaving Chris Reveler out there to get two yards because he's proven time and time and time again that he can get those two yards or, 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 or an, a long yard and a half, right? Like he's got that ability to do that. So it, there are two spots, I think, where you see Chris Reveler come in that you're going to have to, like, that you're really going to have to respect it. But, and both those spots are like, a first and ten, where you have enough spot faith in Zach Calaris to come in on second down if it's an incomplete pass, and the second and short. If I'm Jason Shivers, on second and short, I'm just letting Winnipeg get those first downs. Because if you overload the box and give them exactly what you talked about, man coverage, and it's a second and short, and Strebler chucks one into one on one, things can happen, right? That's 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 what this team coming into the West Final is going to have to do, and and what they did very well. I mean, I thought that they played, you know, it, it, outside of the you know Labor Day Classic Banjo Bowl series, that other game they played against them, they did a fantastic job of just going, all right, here's a quarterback spy, just like you're playing Madden. Here's a QB spy on Strebler and take him down. But now you have to, you know, it's it's Winnipeg is a different team coming in now than they have been in any of the three games. Saskatchewan needs to be aware of that. Oh, for sure, because Zach Claros brings the ability to throw the football with some kind of confidence at a consistent-ish kind of level that Chris Strebler couldn't through those three games. But yeah. th- on the other end of that, with in terms of Strebler running, the Riders, I think, over that Labor Day banjo bowl back-to-back, learned a lot, and we saw that in the matchup a month later, where they effectively left him with nothing to do. Yes. And so there is that experience, and I think I think if you look at the linebacking core, you look at guys like Cam Judge, I think that is sort of the X-Factor kind of guy who can, he can go in coverage, he can rush the quarterback, he can... He can spy the quarterback. He can do all those little things that you need to do to make sure that the Bombers aren't making chunk plays down the field, and then you trust the rest of your defensive line. You trust Mika Johnson. You trust you know, Charleston Hughes and A.C. Leonard and everyone else to make sure that they take care of everyone else, all in Alamimian, and you have Cam Judge kind of be that guy who roves depending on where you need to go to make sure that the Strebler effect, if he's in, is being taken care of. 
No, and, and you're absolutely right. And, and Saskatchewan is better equipped to do that than most other teams. I think the thing that will be fascinating, though, is, and I didn't realize this, that because of the time of the Matt Nichols injury, Saskatchewan has not faced Winnipeg with a capable throwing quarterback no. at any point this year. So as much as we can all look back at the two times that they contained Straveler and his ability to run, you know, th- this is a team that has not faced, you know, has not faced Winnipeg with a guy that can actually chuck it out there. And it hasn't been said publicly, but privately from rumblings and from what you and I have gathered, Zach Caleros was not happy with the ending of his tenure. You know he's going to have a big old chip on his shoulder. Oh, well, yeah, player, into... players will find motivation anywhere they can. Oh, um, and, and, and he's and he's and he's going to have it in spades. But it's 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 definitely this is the most interesting Saskatchewan Winnipeg matchup I would say of the year. Not just because it is in the West Final, oh. but because <laughs> hot I mean, take, hot take, Western Final, most interesting matchup of the year. <laughs> I might finally get one right. Holy shit! <laughs> but what I mean. <laughs> What I mean, this is like, this is the first time these two teams will play each other at full strength. Yes. For the entire season, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get it. Fajardo was technically the backup and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, looking at, I, I mean, that all depends too on Shaq Evans and the health of Cody Fajardo. But in terms of bodies that will be on the field on Sunday, this is their first best on best matchup against Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So you bring up bring him up now. So we're gonna have to one last thing about on Zach Caleros, and this is just something I I think is just kind of an aside to throw real quickly. Can we stop this narrative that the Riders you know dumped Zach Caleros? Yes, please stop. There's, there was no, there's none of the, they didn't dump him. They didn't you know he didn't lose. There was nothing negative about his departure. Zach Caleros may see it that way. He might try to find that angle to make himself you know give himself a little bit of an extra edge in this game. But realistically, Cody Fajardo was the guy, yep. and Zach Claros wanted to be a starter and play football. So the Riders did right by him and moved him. That's yes. what this is. Let's not yes. make this. Let's, let's not make this what this isn't. Yes, the organization did their job. For Claros may not see it this way, but again, the organization was correct in their handling of the situation. Yes, precisely. And of course, the guy who took over for him was Cody Fajardo. Uh, there's been no questions uh, all season long that he's been their starting quarterback since uh, Claros got hurt in the third play of the game. And now, it's, you know, ironically, here we are in the West finalists, Zach Claros and Cody Fajardo. And Cody Fajardo is the one coming in with injury question marks. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> After mm-hmm. all of that. And he did practice on Wednesday during day one. Didn't do a whole lot. You know, he practiced with the ones. He did some screens, some dumps, you know, little passes here or there. And uh, he told reporters after the fact that this was kind of a plan. There is going to ease into it to make sure that he he didn't push himself too hard. I'm sure he was throwing a little bit over the bye week, but nothing uh, too, too strenuous. And... None of this really should surprise anyone, unless he was, for some reason, 100%, which he has basically said before, like he said after the last game of the season, he was going to be in pain during this game regardless, so mm-hmm. it would take a miracle for him to be at 100% going into this game. So, unless that was somehow the case, then he would come out chucking in practice and maybe send the message to everyone, but regardless, he was going to ease into it, and there was no doubt about it that he was going to push himself the hardest to date, not on day one with the media watching, but on day two with the doors closed. Yes, and that and that will be the determinant. We won't know. 
Nobody is going to know until we watch the way the game is called Sunday at Mosaic Stadium. Mm-hmm. Because, as you alluded to, it's closed to the media. Nobody is going to know what goes on tomorrow. And tomorrow is the day the coaching staff is going to make the determination. We are going to really, they are going to really find out if Cody Fajardo can go and can go 100%. And if not, he's going to adapt. Because I, I imagine you will see the same thing. Now, if he knows he's good after tomorrow, the last couple of days of practice, it'll be strictly gamemanship. Right. Mm. You know, oh, I couldn't really throw. I'm a little hurt. And even like he told Jamie Nye of the green zone, I feel it when I run. It's almost like I believe Cody Fajardo. Mm-hmm. I do at this point. I just he's not oh, the him kind and Craig of Dickinson love. both. Yeah. 100%. They are it, it, it will be interesting over the next few days because I don't think anything will be quite like we saw with Chris Jones or Corey Chamberlain in terms of the will he, won't he, you know, all that kind of nonsense. I think no. I think for sure if Cody comes out and, you know, he everything, all the boxes are checked and after day two he might say it. If not, he will definitely say it after day three that he's going to start and be the guy. Um, but it will be interesting to see how Craig Dickinson and Cody Fajardo handle this. Um not that I expect that, not that I think they're going to come out and lie and really go into the game and or anything, but it, if this is an opportunity for them to maybe play the game a little bit on their own terms and their own style compared to what we've maybe seen in the past. So I'm just, from a you know media nerd perspective, I'm just interested in seeing how they kind of play this out a little bit or if they're right. going to continue down the honesty track that we've seen from them the whole time. Well, I, I, I do. I think he's starting. I, I think oh, he's he starting one hundred percent. The question yeah. is, to what degree and to what effect? Yes, I, I think he's going to start one hundred percent. And I mean, let's face it, we've seen Steve McAdoo basically has the playbook drawn up for the quarterback he trusts, and the playbook drawn up for the quarterback that he has zero faith in. Right, and the quarterback that he has zero faith in is kind of what we all know that Zach, that that Cody Fajardo can do right now. Mm-hmm. He can throw short passes, lots of hitches, lots of screens. You know, we watched him do that in front of the media today. We know he can do that. So, mm-hmm. and he can probably still do that better than Isaac Harker. So I think at the end of the day, even if Cody Fajardo can only chuck it short, we see him in there for the game. We just see a different game plan. It's going to be the first time a pass is called deep. Is it there? And that's going to be the revelation. And we're not going to get that until Sunday. And I, I don't think – and you're right, Joel. Like, like they've both been so honest. I don't think Cody Fajardo is capable of lying. Like, I just – he just strikes me as a guy that's unable to do it. No, he, he wouldn't lie, but he might not directly answer a question per se. Or he might do it kind of a tongue-in-cheek in a fun kind of way, like when he was asked after the game – uh, the last game of the regular season, if it was a, you know, if the the injury in the back was a torn or was a torn muscle or a, like a sprained one or whatever, and he said, "I'll yeah. tell you after the season." So he's not lying. Yeah, but he's not really giving you the answer either. <laughs> no, no, and, and and you're exactly right. And I mean, it would take somebody in the media to ask him specifically, "Can you throw the ball deep?" Mm-hmm. And because we've seen he can throw it short, and we all acknowledge he's worst case scenario, he's going to chuck it real short. But it's it's going to be interesting to me, and, and it's, it goes back to the Nye tweet, if he can run. Because that what makes him a dangerous quarterback. Is, is He's not Chris Trevler. He's not a guy that just shows up to run. But the fact that he's got escapability with his legs and he can bust one, you know, changes how Richie Hall 
has to, you know, Richie Hall can't bring pressure all the time against that great Riders offensive line if Cody Fajardo can run. So, well, the, the, again, the, the, it's, and it's, like it's, Winnipeg, they also have the advantage of they can hope they can try to get William Powell going as well, which they haven't always done that well. Exactly. No, you, and you're exactly right. And the bye week has helped Saskatchewan. The bye mm-hmm. week has helped the fact that 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 Fajardo is in this position where he could potentially play. I don't think he could have last week. So no, it's 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 just it's it's fascinating that that you know with two teams that are so evenly matched. Let's face it. This all comes down to the ability of Cody Fajardo to do what he has done so far this year. Like it's just, I just, I look at both these teams and Harris and Powell and and the Ryder defense against the Winnipeg defense, and and really the only striking advantage to me is at quarterback, and that's Cody Fajardo over Zach Calero slash Chris Trevor. Yeah, just because one guy can do both compared to having to flip mm-hmm. up. You're absolutely right. I mean, you don't have to basically declare, yeah, we're going to run it, Strevler's in. Or, hey, we're probably going to pass, Caleros is in, right? I or mean, we're going to hand off, like there's a 50-50 chance. Exactly. You're exactly right. So, it's, uh, yeah, the more I look at this matchup, the more I watched Winnipeg last week, the more, you know, you watch Saskatchewan through the season. I think you just hit the point that you're like, that like to me, and and I hate to, I hate to put... So much, but I mean, it's football. You're always going to put so much important on the quarterback position. But like, I don't know if Saskatchewan can win without Zach Caleros at least able to do the things. As uh, part of me, I keep saying Zach Caleros, Cody Fajardo, able to do the things that Cody Fajardo does so well this season. Yeah, I mean that's fair. It's certainly possible. And the the only other X factor too is this team, this defense does know Zach Caleros. And, yes. you know, Calgary might not have known him quite as intimately, even though miraculously somehow Zach Claros has now won four games in a row against the Calgary Stampeders. Right. Which means he should get a job in the West somewhere next year, you would think. Maybe he should <laughs> be like Mike Riley's backup or something. Just play the games against Calgary. Whoever gets Calgary three times next year, sign Zach Claros. <laughs> and, start him all, and start him all three games. That's the only three games he needs to start all season. Yeah. So there's a bit of an advantage there, but yeah, this I I know the pick the pick document is up on Three Down Nation for us to uh, to make our picks, and I, I still don't really know which way I'm going to go on this one. Um, it's so evenly matched; I think it's going to be a hell of a game. There's this weird thing Winnipeg has done where they've won every first at Mosaic Stadium. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw your tweet about that, and I'm like, wait a minute. So how do I reverse jinx this? Yeah, well, but you're also going to the game, which means the Bombers are going to lose. So I'm just like, ah, what do I do? It, it, it's true. Actually, I think one of the classic lines came. Um, so shortly after the West Final, or the West Semi, Winnipeg wins, and instantly I'm on my phone with a couple friends that, that we had discussed all going to the game together. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in a room. It's me, my father-in-law, one of my really good friends. We're all sitting in my basement watching the game. Game's over. We're just drinking some beer. And finally I said, well... I should go, but the Bombers have lost the last 25 games I've, I've, I've actually physically been at, including Grey Cups and playoff games, and games in Winnipeg and games elsewhere. My father-in-law looks at me and goes, you should go, I'll pack you a lunch. <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, free lunch. I'm going. 
free. Yeah. I, I looked at him. I said, Don, I'd love an egg salad sandwich for the trip. Thank you very much. Ooh, those poor guys in the car with you. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> you have not tasted a Don Bohe travel egg salad sandwich. I tell okay. you what, Joel, it's, it's worth it. I tell it, you like... what. <laughs> I tell you what, boy. <laughs> So, yes, I don't know how to reverse jinx this. I went, I was on CTV earlier today talking with Jeremy Dodge, who's coming out of the game with me, and I picked the riders under no circumstances because, you know, I want to reverse. I want to do the reverse jinx, but now have I reverse jinxed my reverse jinx, and then I got to do another appearance, and I got to, like, do I... It's made too much math for me, man. I don't know what to do. And, I mean, the riders are good at home. There's just, there's just so many variables here that I... We're just we're just not going to touch this one with a ten foot pole at this point, uh, especially me who went zero and two last week in uh, playoff pick'em. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I did too, but one of them was by design. So does that make me like point five and one? No. no. Oh, okay. Fair and L's enough. and L. Whether you actually want it to happen or not, the L's and L. That's 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 fair. <laughs> so I think by all my reverse jinxing math and canceling everything out and canceling out the Fraser jinx, the game's just not going to happen. That's that's there's, just, that's there's so many reverse jinxes that the game is just not going to happen. This a giant black <laughs> hole is going to open it, suck us all in. There's going to be, be like sitting... fifty centimeters of snow, and they're just going to be like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That plus six seven forecast we're all looking forward to. Everybody that's got tickets to the game that's sitting outdoors, looking forward to it. it's going to be a great time. Yeah, no, apocalyptic level snow, black hole, an asteroid maybe just blows up on mosaic and we all die. <laughs> that escalated quickly. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that's the strength of the Fraser curses that I'm trying to cancel each other out. So I'm just gonna pick, I'm gonna pick Saskatchewan no matter what happens, and I'm just gonna put it out there. You know, on our podcast, and I put it out there on CTV, and I'll put it out there on Global, and just boom. I'm I'm also in the weird spot for Pick'em on this, where at the start of the season on the three down prediction piece, I and this uh, you know, this isn't like bragging because I think it was probably the most popular matchup prediction at the time. I said it was going to be Winnipeg and Hamilton in the Great Cup. Yes. So now I'm at the point where I'm sitting there and I'm like. Do I stick with that just for the sake of saying I was right? Or Listen, you got, or do you I go with my brain and I think the riders are just a touch better and are going to win? You you've got the you've got the Fajardo feather in your cap. Your co-host is O for the century in every <laughs> single pick I've ever made and every single prediction I made, but you're like, hey, Cody Fajardo might be legit. And he was, and you were correct, and I was wrong about everything. So, you know what, Joel? You can afford to take an L on one of these predictions. Oh, I've, take, I've, taken, I've taken plenty of Ls, trust me. I know. I just, I, just, <laughs> I just don't call you out on them because it's nowhere near as funny. No. <laughs> but I, I, think we're, I, think we, I think we're pretty much all in agreement that the other half of that equation should come true. Hamilton should beat Edmonton as we transition to the East Final for a little yes. bit here before we uh, say goodnight. And for a very specific reason, yes, the, Mont- the Edmonton Eskimos looked pretty good against the Montreal Alouettes, and we're going to talk about Montreal in a second here. But the stars aligned in every single way imaginable for them in that game. Yes. And they barely won that football game. Trevor Harris was perfect until about the second last drive of the game, essentially. Basically, yes. And they were up by five points. You are not yes. going to get 97% out of your quarterback for a good chunk of the game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Sorry. 
No, it's just not going to happen. They, and Hamilton is capable of scoring on every single drive like the Montreal Alouettes did. And they are quite capable of stopping you. And as bullish yes. as we were on Montreal last week, I think Edmonton did a pretty good job on exposing some flaws we might not have realized with that team. Or a lot yes. of us might not have realized with that team. They're still a good team, great season and all that. But Edmonton, because Jason Moss had like a month to prepare prepare for this game, finally figured out a way to beat someone in the playoff game. Well, and on top of that, that was the most disciplined and composed that the Edmonton Eskimos had looked the entire year. And you didn't think that was going to happen the way there was a little nope. kerfuffle before the game even started. No, I, I thought, I'm like, <laughs> this is going to be your normal, like, I saw that kerfuffle, I'm like, hey. Oh boy, I'm here right. we go. I get to be right for once. This is going to be a great, oh shit, look, at, at Montreal lost. I was wrong yet again. Used to this feeling. Oh no. But I, I don't think, and <laughs> like, I, I almost wonder, like, we were so bullish on Montreal. We get bullish on Hamilton. Does Josh Smith come and kick our asses and like give us both stone cold stunners and just break into our, our bedrooms or something if we happen to be bullish on Hamilton, which we are, <laughs> and, and like put it out in the universe? Like, I, I just I fear I'm, I'm pretty confident. I feel the wrath Hamilton, of Josh. Hamilton is a very good football team. They are probably I'm not even gonna say probably they are the best team in the CFL. Yes. So there I'm I'm still fairly confident in this. If I was doing the CFL.ca pick'em, I would put 100 percent confidence on Hamilton without a question. Yes, but we also did the same thing with Montreal and Jason I Moss. Probably, was I like... probably would have gone and maybe like a 75 percent on Edmonton. On Fair. Montreal, sorry. So. No, no, and 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 that's a good point. You're right. Hamilton is the best team in the league, and mm-hmm. we've been on that bandwagon since Josh Smith both threatened us with our lives. <laughs> yes, because that's that's the kind of individual he is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but to me, the, to me, the game itself, while interesting and fun to watch, the real interesting storyline that's been developing since that game was kind of the the revival. Based on one game, it's kind of been brewing throughout the year, but the revival of the CFL in Quebec, because mm-hmm. they oversold that game uh, in terms of their what they've considered capacity this year. They unrolled some tarps. We talked about this last week, mm-hmm. and the numbers. So the numbers on TSN were over six hundred thousand, which is pretty good. Which is a, down a little bit for an East final, but then you have to consider the RDS market because yes. in Quebec they have RDS, uh, Réseau des Sports, as they call it. It is the... That was very... You whoa, you rolled that off the tongue, gas, and hey, I like I, it. I was in French immersion until grade 12. There's a few things that stick with me. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. So, RDS has a lot of people in Quebec watch RDS, obviously, and it doesn't count towards the TSN number. They're owned by the same company, so right. at the end of the day, all the money kind of falls into the same pit when you get around to it. So, ultimately, and... Right. We didn't get those numbers quite right away. They're a little slower to come out than they are with TSN. Um... So yeah, it's about 600 and change for uh, the East Final on TSN. And I was sitting there, I was thinking, oh yeah, you know, RDS probably. I'm like, it's going to be up. Like, they're kind of in the one to 200,000 range, which in you know, the size of Quebec market's a pretty good number, normally speaking. So I was thinking, okay, for this it's game, maybe, yeah. maybe 250, 300. No, they did over 400,000 viewers for this game on RDS on average. Uh, unreal. So so, so if you combine to, that... I, even combine, I can do this math. Yeah. You combine the audiences plus six. Both that's, games. That's 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 is that that's a hundred thousand people. Close. Um, 
So both <laughs> semifinal games, and it, it's been a while since we've been able to say this, combined, if you combine both French and English audiences, because you can do that in this country. Of course. Both audiences drew over 1 million viewers. Unreal. Which the West, the West playoffs generally does. The East doesn't always. But the fact that Quebec, which we've said this before, if the Montreal Alouettes aren't dog shit, they will get on board. Montreal, Quebec, especially, they love teams that win a lot of games. And if Montreal is going to be, if this is going to be the start of a new competitive era for Montreal, I will predict that they will unravel some more seats from the tarps mm-hmm. there. And you will see consistent numbers on TSN and CF and uh, RDS. And it will it will completely change the outlook of the league, but it will make a massive difference in a way that I think even an engaged Vancouver or Toronto can, just based on how passionate Montreal and Quebec is about football. And it will make a huge, huge difference just to the overall well-being of the league. Well, absolutely. You look at the league's heyday where they picked up the big, uh, the original big broadcast deal and everything. That was during the Anthony Calvillo, Ben Cahoon era in, in Montreal when they were winning all those Grey Cups and all of us out, out west were rolling our eyes but still watching every single game anyways because that's what we do because we're out west. So it, it's huge for the CFL. And, and, and again, those numbers, like, and you have to think, like, that's a big sports Sunday. Oh, that was a huge Sunday for TSN in general. Oh, absolutely. You had the NFL going on. You had two, you had a million people in direct competition with the National Football League. You had two of your CFL games hit a million each. That is that 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 proves that this league is healthy and people care. Not to mention some, you know, bullshit soccer game that went on too, but you know, that fl- fell flat on its face. I mean, 700 change is still a decent number, but it was interesting that uh, Justin Dunk of Three Down Nation, the, our, our, our new fearless leader, um, broke down the numbers of the average audience of, tr- of TFC's three championship games. It's not a good trend for the MLS. It's gone from like 1.7 million the first time down to, I believe, 1.5, 1.3, something like that, down to 700,000. And anecdotally, I felt going into that game, like the first two times TFC made the final, it seemed like it was a big deal and lots of people were talking about it. It was all over social media, it was all over the media. I don't really hear anything this time. And the numbers, no, it... the numbers really reflected that on television. Well, it feels like basically Southern Ontario watched and probably no one else. Yeah, no, I would, uh, I, I would, I would say Southern Ontario. You, I, I, you probably had a, a strong contingent out in, you know, the farthest reaches of Western BC because there's a lot of Seattle crossover there as well. Well, they um, probably they have the Vancouver Whitecaps too, though. So yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I mean, you still, I don't know. Like if it was me, like I still, I'm, I'm more keen to watch a Grey Cup that is Saskatchewan. You know, I'm a Bomber fan. I'd be more keen to watch a Saskatchewan anybody Grey Cup than say, you know, BC anybody, just because of the geographical closeness, right? Fair enough. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting, and this this all this talk of the MLS is going to take over, blah 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 blah. But it's interesting to see numbers falling, and now compare that to the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they obviously you know gained momentum through several good seasons, but obviously peaked with last year's championship. I found myself watching basketball for the first time in a very long time, and. That momentum seems to have continued with the Raptors, but, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of MLS, it almost seems like it's gone, you know, and the numbers have proven it. it's gone the other way. It's like, okay, so they won the championship. 
So does the casual fan just not care now? It's hard to say. I, I, I still believe there's a strong soccer contingent. I know colloquially, anecdotally speaking to some people I know who are really into soccer, they just don't like the MLS brand of soccer. They don't think it's very good. Well, no, I mean, you could make the argument, and I've, I've said this before, you make the argument is maybe the 16th best league in the world. Oh, it's, it's ranked worldwide very, very low from what I've heard from a lot of people who know soccer. Yeah, exactly, and I and I just I just go on off of you know every European country probably is a league that's better than the MLS, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, oh, even I've S- heard... South America, Asia, parts of Asia, parts of you know Central America, all these places, yeah. Which is comical because I've heard people shit on the CFL for being the second best football league in the entire world, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, they'll they'll well, call they'll call the CFL bush league because it's not the NFL, and then go watch MLS or something, yeah. Exactly, which is just which is just asinine to me. So I, I I'm not. Hey, if you like MLS, that's cool. Just you know, it, just it's say. true. And, and and I should say I I've never in some of my more vocal days on on anti MLS on Twitter. I just uh, I'm with you. I'm just I'm much more quiet on Twitter than I was before because of all the negative bullshit. Uh, my good friend, great comedian, if you ever get a chance to, 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 to see him live, go see John Cullen. I've actually worked with him on a lacrosse broadcast before. Uh, but John said, listen, man, come to a Whitecaps game. Experience the atmosphere and you'll change your opinion. And I haven't had that 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 option yet to get out to Vancouver to experience a game with John, but... Uh, yeah, even that, it sounds like it's slipping. I mean, they've... <laughs> They've had some awkward off-field stuff go on, and uh, attendance has definitely dropped in Vancouver even now. They're they're like the Ottawa Senators of the MLS. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, well, basically just a giant dumpster fire. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.